end to the violence. You feel a bit helpless, to be honest. Supporters of Palestine rally in Vancouver as Israeli ground troops move into Gaza. Plus, preparing for storm season. It was an incredibly busy season and we predict that it will continue. The warning from BC Hydro on the outages expected this winter. And major agreement signed between the Talaman First Nation and the province. Definitely overwhelmed with emotion. The next steps on protecting the site of a former pulp mill in Powell River. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. 21 days ago, the Israel-Hamas war broke out. Thousands of people in Gaza and Israel have died in the conflict. And here at home, there are growing calls for a ceasefire. Angela Jung has our top story from today's pro-Palestinian rally in Vancouver. It's been three weeks since the war erupted and people remain galvanized to speak out. At this pro-Palestinian rally, there are more than a thousand people here today. And when this demonstration first started, an organizer told people that anti-Semitism would not be tolerated and not to engage if there are any counter-protesters. Standing in solidarity with Palestinians. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. As the Israel-Hamas war intensifies, the humanitarian crisis continues to grow in Gaza. Half a world away, some here feel helpless. The crowd appearing larger than previous demonstrations. Some say they will continue to show up, raising their concerns. We don't know what's going on right now. Um, we've already seen the horrors that have been happening for the past three weeks. We can only imagine what they're doing now. It's just, it's just unheard of, to be honest. Nobody deserves to feel stateless. This thing has been happening for many years, decades. The Palestinian people have no position in their own land. I'm completely disgusted with Canada for not saying, you know, like, stop fighting, stop killing babies. Calls for a ceasefire grow louder to end the bloodshed. There are lots of police officers here, and like the other demonstrations, this one remained peaceful. Angela Jung, Global News. The war will be long and difficult, stressed Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in a televised news conference tonight. Internet and lines of communication are now completely cut off after key infrastructure was wiped out and aid is still slow to reach those who need it most. Our Danielle Hamamjian reports, but first a warning to our viewers, some of the images in our coverage may be disturbing. For years, Benjamin Netanyahu positioned himself as Mr. Security. But tonight, he refused to take any responsibility for the intelligence failures that led to the October 7th attacks. He believes his mission now is to save the country, calling it Israel's second war of independence. He said, never again, and never again, he added, begins today. We can't see the gunfire, but we can hear it. Israel says its troops are still in Gaza after an overnight expansion of its operations. After what the UN says was the most intensive bombardment yet on the enclave. 
The Israeli Defense Forces claim to have struck 150 targets and to have killed a number of Hamas commanders. Among them, a key figure in the planning of the deadliest attack on Jews since the Holocaust. Today, officials in Tel Aviv once again issued an urgent call for Palestinians to evacuate to the south of Gaza. Moving back to northern Gaza will be possible once the intense hostilities end. Hamas puts your life in danger by placing weapons and forces within civilians' area in Gaza, including schools, mosques, and hospitals. With the near total blackout, getting any information out of the territory is practically impossible. Recorded on Friday before communication lines went down, these are some of the last images to come out of Shifa Hospital, located in the north and specifically mentioned by Israel. Thousands are seeking refuge here. While the children are just trying to be children, the babies in the neonatal unit are at the mercy of staff who refuse to evacuate. Israel says that beneath them, underground, is a Hamas command center. Global News cannot verify that claim. I am begging you, she says, please stop this bloodshed now. We can't bear it anymore. Enough is enough. People definitely uh, were, took, were taken away by surprise. We were able to speak briefly with Mansour Shuman of Calgary as he huddled next to local journalists for a signal. All my feelings are being now suppressed and channeled into uh, action. All I'm focused on is getting the message out to the world in English uh, about what's happening here to the Palestinian people. I'm seeing an escalation in the diseases given the crowded spaces and the lack of cleaning supplies. The Norwegian Refugee Council has confirmed its lost contact with all 54 of its staff members. As of yesterday, we have not been in touch with them. What struck me the most is hearing one of my colleagues tell me multiple times that he regrets become, getting married and becoming a parent because he has no ability to protect his children. 70 kilometers away from Gaza is Tel Aviv where normal life is interrupted by air raid sirens, Hamas continues to strike. The bombing campaign in Gaza, many say, is absolutely justified. We must do it because we have no other choice. I mean, if we won't do it, they will destroy us. Earlier in the day, a Hamas rocket smashed into the port city of Ashkelon. This time, no injuries reported. And in response to claims made by the Turkish leader that Israel could be guilty of war crimes, Netanyahu defended the IDF, saying it does everything to avoid harming non-combatants. He also pulled his diplomats out of Turkey. Daniel Hamamjin, Global News, Jerusalem. Back here at home, a former hockey player will not serve time behind bars for his attack on a team with autism in Surrey. We're now hearing from the victim's father, who is disappointed with the decision. Troy Charles has more, but first a warning. Some of the details in this story are disturbing. The judge called the attack unprovoked and unjustified, but in the end, he deemed it was not enough to warrant a criminal record, and his decision for a conditional discharge has the victim's father feeling helpless. The system is 
failed us again and failed every parent, every parent that's trying to take care of their kids, every parent who has a kid with disability. In January of 2022, Mike Chan's 16-year-old son, Sahil, who has autism, was randomly attacked by then 25-year-old Spencer Meyer while alone on a walk through his Surrey neighborhood. The teen was repeatedly punched and kicked, and when the beating was over, the teen said Meyer threatened to put a bullet in the back of his head if they ever crossed paths again. That's the reason why he's not here. He was invited here with me. He refused to come because he didn't want the flashback of what happened. Meyer, a former player in the Western Hockey League, pled guilty to assault causing bodily harm and Friday was given a conditional discharge and sentenced to two years probation. He declined to speak with us after the hearing. In court, Meyer's lawyer said at the time of the attack, his client was suffering from PTSD after being the victim of a shooting in Kelowna in 2021. Saying on the day of the attack, he was abusing alcohol and prescription drugs and thought the teen was responsible for recent thefts in his neighborhood. Meyer has since entered treatment programs and attends counseling. Since the beating, Chand says his son is afraid to walk alone, something he did often to calm down. And now i got to let him know that they let him go. They gave him a slap in the hand and let him walk away. Troy Charles, Global News. Three former Hells Angels clubhouses in different parts of the province are hitting the market. The first property is located in Vancouver's Grandview area. The home is assessed for $1.5 million. The other two properties are in Kelowna and Nanaimo. All three of the properties belong to the province after the Supreme Court of Canada chose not to hear an appeal related to the province's civil forfeiture case. Unlike criminal court, civil forfeiture cases do not require proof beyond a reasonable doubt that the items were linked to crime. British Columbians should brace for more power outages this winter. That's from BC Hydro, who says service disruptions are looking more likely thanks to a hot summer and long periods of drought. As Cassidy Mosconi reports, communities devastated by wildfires could be affected most. In the midst of a cold snap this week, it's clear summer's over. But BC Hydro is warning we could be feeling its wrath well into winter. A substantial number of dead and damaged tree branches are expected to fall, which could contribute to power outages. The power utilities meteorologists predicting little reprieve for crews who've only just emerged from their busiest summer on record. Replacing more than 1,400 power poles, nearly 90 kilometres of power lines to restore power to the more than 20,000 customers who were unfortunately impacted uh, across the province since May. So it was an incredibly busy season and we predict that it will continue to be into the fall and winter. The forecast, an elevated risk of power outages. For communities hit hard by wildfire like the shoe swap, the outlook is far from favourable. We do have some nasty storms that blow through. We're out here in the mountains and on a lake and, uh, you know, the, the wind can get whipping up pretty fast and drifts can bl- blow in big. Jay says public power is back online, but many community members are still in the dark.
we're struggling to get some of the just basic infrastructure into some of those places so that they can live their winters, uh, you know, in safe, warm security. Some of them, you know, need $6,000 to put a hydro pole into on, on their private land in, in order to get some power to their house. And, you know, some of them just don't have that kind of money lying around. BC Hydro says customers can start preparing for storm season now, stocking up on supplies to last 72 hours. Things like water, non-perishable foods, batteries, flashlights and an external phone charger. The fire is gone for the most part, we hope, uh, but we've got a couple of years of unknowns. We'll just have to deal with it uh, as a community. We're strong and, and we'll get everybody through it somehow. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. A bridge in Salmon Arm has been named after a respected Nesconlith elder. Elder, teacher and environmentalist, the late Dr. Mary Thomas is being celebrated. The naming of the bridge is a tribute to her contributions in the fields of early childhood development and ethnobotany. Transportation Minister Rob Fleming says Dr. Thomas left behind an important legacy and the naming of the bridge will be a reminder of her contributions. It's another sign of reconciliation in British Columbia. Talaman First Nation and the provincial government have signed an agreement committing to work together on finding a way forward for the site of a former pulp mill. As Paul Johnson reports, the promise is they will find a solution that works for everyone. In Powell River Friday, the unmistakable sights and sounds of something big happening. Well, today was a pledge from the province uh, to the Tulama Nation that we'll work in partnership with them uh, to ensure that we can move forward on the, the old village site here. Where the Catalyst Paper Mill sits is the former site of a village called T-Squat. For many centuries, the Tulaman people lived here, sustained by one of the biggest salmon runs on the south coast. But in the late 1800s, they were forced off their land and the river was eventually dammed to power the pulp mill. Gone was their village, the salmon, and an entire way of life. But now there's a new vision for this place. We're exploring every opportunity uh, in value-added uh, forest uh, timber products. Uh, we're thinking about uh, closed containment uh, fish farming, uh, market housing. But before any of that can happen, they need to get the land back. This summer, the pulp mill announced that it's closing for good, but they still own the land. The memorandum of understanding between Victoria and the Tlaman Nation means the province will now work with them to help make it happen. Friday's ceremony included this memorable moment, marking the connection between Tlaman elders and the nation's future. With these unique signatures on the document. This is a really historic moment that Flamen is at the beginning of getting their land black here at Tisquat. It's, it's super exciting. I'm thrilled to be here. There's a lot still to be worked out. Getting the federal government on board and figuring out how much the land may have been contaminated by the pulp mill. But one certainty is that 150 years after their land was taken, the premier coming to commit to getting it back means things have changed in British Columbia. Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, BC's Backyard Adventures right at your fingertips. 
It's a one-stop shop, really, for enthusiasts who are just learning, getting into an activity. How a new online portal called Adventure Hub will help you navigate the outdoors and keep you safe. Plus, cleaning up the shorelines, the scary ghosts and goblins taking over Falls Creek. Are you ready for the outdoors this winter? Well, a new online platform has been launched to help the public better prepare for their next adventure. As Travis Prasad reports, the new Adventure Hub could help save hikers from trouble. From the mountains to the water, there's no shortage of outdoor recreation for people to experience the rugged beauty of BC. With so much to do, knowing where to start can be overwhelming. But now there's a website for that. It's going to make it easy for you. It's, it's a one-stop shop, really. The BC Search and Rescue Association just launched the Adventure Hub. The online database has over 450 outdoor activities to choose from in 24 different categories covering the whole province. We want you to bookmark this because we're going to continually update it and it allow you to go back to it over and over as you travel the province. Not only does the hub help you find things to do, it can help you do them safely. It has links to educational resources, from boating licenses to avalanche awareness and trip planning. On Thursday, a hiker who went camping overnight on Mount Seymour was surprised to find snow up to his thighs, a lot more than what the forecast called for, making the hike harder than expected. And with a heavy pack, it's kind of hard because you it kind of drags you left, right, forward, backward, you know. If you don't have snowshoes, it's quite, quite difficult. Not feeling well and unsure he'd be able to get down safely on his own, he called for help. There are, is snow on the mountains, it's icy, and people need to be prepared. Proper foot gear, warm clothing, and definitely any other winter gear that makes sense to bring. The team says this hiker did have the proper equipment, but still made the right move by calling for assistance. Search and rescue crews respond to an average of 1,500 calls in B.C. each year. The hope is for the information and tools offered on Adventure Hub to help prevent emergencies outdoors. That's always the underlying goal here, added value, is to help reduce the number and severity of search and rescue calls, which is, which is what we want to do for the search and rescue members. Travis Prasad, Global News. After the break, the manhunt for mass, a shooting suspect in the U.S. finally ends. What police are learning about a possible motive as families prepare to bury their loved ones. Plus, unintended target, the Calgary teacher now recovering after being hit by stray bullets. The breaking news out of California tonight where Matthew Perry has reportedly died after an apparent drowning. TMZ says the Friends star was found at his Los Angeles area home this afternoon. It's believed no foul play was involved. Perry was most known for his role as Chandler Bing on Friends, which ran for 10 seasons. Perry suffered in his personal life, detailing struggles with alcohol and painkiller addictions in his 2022 memoir. He was 54 years old. The search for the suspected gunman in the mass shooting in Maine has come to an end. Police say they found the body of 40-year-old Robert Card late Thursday. And tonight, they're still searching for answers about what motivated the rampage that left 18 people dead and 13 injured. Jackson Prosco reports from Lewiston, Maine tonight. The search came to an end at a site about 15 kilometers away from Wednesday's deadly shootings. 
Police say they found Robert Carr dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound inside a trailer on the property where he used to work. The scene is near where police found Carr's abandoned vehicle on Wednesday, an area where police had concentrated their search. Saturday, investigators said they have no further details on a motive, but acknowledge they found a note in Card's home that led them to believe he had planned to take his own life. What it is, uh, is it's a note to a loved one and is saying that uh, this is the passcode for my phone, um, this is the bank account numbers, uh, and uh, I wouldn't uh, describe it as a explicit suicide note, but the tone and tenor was that uh, the individual was not going to be around. Police say despite the suspect's history of mental health problems, all of the guns they found in his possession were legally owned, and at least one was purchased just days before the massacre. With the manhunt over, the focus is turning to the victims and their families. The youngest victim was just 14 years old, killed along with his father inside the bowling alley during youth league night. Because of stay-at-home orders, this town has been unable to come together to hold memorials or to grieve. That will change over the next few days. The first public vigils are planned for this weekend, but the death of the suspect means that the community may never get full answers about what motivated the deadly rampage. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Lewiston, Maine. A groundbreaking ceremony was held in Uvalde, Texas today for a new school set to replace the building where 21 people were killed last year. There are plans to include a tribute to the victims who were killed in the mass shooting at Robb Elementary. The proposed tribute is a tree designed with two large branches to represent the teachers and 19 smaller branches to represent the students who lost their lives. New safety measures will be built into the school, including key entry points and privacy gates, a secure waiting space for visitors and a new road to help first responders access the school. A Calgary teacher is recovering after becoming the innocent victim of a targeted shooting in the Northeast. As Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports, a number of school staff jumped in to help as stray bullets hit the teacher and a home. It's been a wild week for Laura Lee Montens. She was at home, off work, recovering from knee surgery just days before. She works at Clarence Sampson School as the facility operator. A colleague who teaches at the school came by her house Friday afternoon to pick up a box of produce. That's when she says bullets started flying. I heard a couple of, I think it was two or three gunshots down the street, and then um, my friend who was a teacher that was here picking up his good food boxes turned around as he's putting a good food box into the back of the truck and goes, oh, it's not good. And I'm like, hurry up, get in. And then I heard um, a young gentleman screaming, somebody call 911, help. A young man who was likely the intended target also took refuge in the house. At least three bullets hit Laura Lee's home, one of them going through the front door, shattering the glass and hitting the teacher in the leg. And then all of a sudden, my teacher friend dropped and I'm already on 911, hiding in the corner. The school across the street went into lockdown and the principal jumped into action, providing medical help to the injured teacher. It was like, oh my God, how can I help you? I can't even get down and tie a tourniquet on it. That was my thing, it's like, oh my God. And my principal put the building into lockdown and then ran across the street, knocked on the door. We let her in because she told us who it was and she, pulled off her hoodie and tied it around his leg as tight as she could. 
The teacher has posted on social media saying he's okay. The targeted young man was uninjured, but things could have been much worse for everyone involved. I saw his backpack fall yeah. to the ground. Yeah. And the police said, yeah, you had bullet holes in your backpack. Laura Lee says she saw a white SUV drive by after the shots were fired. Police say the vehicle matching the description given by witnesses was found abandoned a short time later in the area. The search for the shooter is still on. Anyone with information is asked to contact police. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has issued a recall for several types of seafood meatballs. The recall covers Yusheng aquatic oyster ball, shrimp balls and shrimp balls with cheese, all sold in 200 gram packages in British Columbia. The inspection agency says the products may contain egg, fish, gluten, milk and soy not listed on their labels. Customers are advised to throw the product out or bring them back to where they were purchased. Still to come, the 1,000 pumpkin giveaway. How a BCHL team is helping get fans into the spooky spirit as a South Surrey Park is transformed into a pumpkin patch. All the latest news. All the latest updates. Get it first. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Get it at 11. Global News at 11. Steph Florian joins us now, Steph. It was a sunny and but chilly day today, actually. Very frosty this morning. We broke more record lows. This list is very long. Actually, we had the Hunter's full moon today. So lots of photos have been coming in of the full moon all around the province. But Princeton, Whistler, Vernon, Pitt Meadows, we're seeing our temperatures about 5 to 10 degrees below where they should be through the overnight hours. So we're going to continue to see that. It'll be frosty again tomorrow. A lot of people out there celebrating Halloween tonight all those celebrations, it is going to be an overnight low of freezing. So it's going to be another chilly one. But again, the sunshine is wrapping up the month of October. So we're getting a nice stretch as we head into trick-or-treating on Tuesday. It's sitting at 5 degrees right now. It's already dark out there. We're losing daylight. And again, we are ending the month with cold temperatures. Here's today's highs. So we were supposed to make it to about the 10, 11 degree mark. We only made it to 8 degrees. So very chilly conditions. We've had this Arctic air. It's still in place, but we are seeing this ridge keeping the province nice and dry. We'll see some low cloud in the valleys, uh, possibly a few flurries up and around the Yukon, but it isn't until we get into nice and dry for Tuesday night. There we go. And then the timing is just perfect for this next system that pushes in on Wednesday. And as we start November, it is going to be a different story. So we're going to be seeing wet conditions, snow through the higher elevations, freezing rain as well. And that continues into your Thursday and into the weekend. So enjoy Get your vitamin D in, enjoy, and uh, bundle up if you're heading outside for the evening hours for Halloween celebrations. So here's a look at northern BC tomorrow. It's going to be cold, mostly cloudy skies, 3 degrees for Quinnell. Look at these lows, though, minus 13 for Prince George. It's about the wind chill in the morning. It's going to be very nippy, to say the least. And even for the interior tomorrow, Kelowna, 5 degrees. Valmont at freezing, same with Golden. So just a few clouds in the mix for your day tomorrow for Vancouver Island. We're looking at 10, 11 degrees, 8 for Port Hardy, a Sunshine Coast at 9 degrees. Normally it's at 10 and we're hoping to make it to 12 even out towards the Fraser Valley. So gorgeous day in store for you tomorrow. Enjoy as we get towards Halloween on Tuesday. Then the rain is here. Back to you. Sunday, Monday looks pretty good. Thanks, Steph.
Well, hundreds, hundreds of people flocking to South Surrey this afternoon for a unique pumpkin giveaway. The Surrey Eagles gifting 1,000 pumpkins today at the South Surrey Arena for kids 15 and under. The BCHL team also pairing each gourd with free tickets to their pre-season pre-Halloween game against the Coquitlam Express while supplies last. And there were also some opportunities to meet the players for autographs. Our farm, Evergreen Herbs, actually grew all these pumpkins. We grew over uh, 1,500 pumpkins, and today we brought over 1,000 pumpkins plus. And uh, we wanted to make sure that everybody in the community got the first ever pumpkin patch in the park. We have a really good team right now, 11-0, and, 0, and uh, it's, it's going to be tough to beat us right now the way we're playing. It's so nice that the Surrey Eagles come out and support the community events like this. Well, they're all here. You can meet the team was also accepting donations for the BC Children's Hospital. I wonder if the players was, were carrying the pumpkins as part of their workout, you know? <laughs> or just, yeah, do some That's bicep curls. The <laughs> That's where they all went. That's the new weight lifts, yep. Um, big day in uh, yeah, local sports today. Lots going on. The Whitecaps are on the field right now mm -hmm. uh, in L.A. Lots of goals in this one. Uh, so we'll have as many highlights as we can put together of the, that one. Canucks, very impressive last night. Beat St. Louis 5-0. Play again tonight against the Rangers. Going to have a profile on Brock Besser, who has had a great start to the year and a lot of fans happy and his teammates really happy for him. He's been through some tough times, so that story coming up as well. well that's a good one to watch. Jack, mm -hmm. he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, he's been awesome. So All right, far. okay, we'll check back in with you a little bit later. Thanks, Barry. Okay. All right, well, still to come Haunted Village Makeover. The spooky stories lifted from Burnaby's Haunted Village and their latest attraction. Stay with us. Shoreline trash is no match for these scary ghosts and goblins. About 60 teenagers dressed in their costumes took part in this year's Trick or Trash Halloween-themed shoreline cleanup along Falls Creek. The aim is to create a fun way to teach youth how to take care of the environment. Organizers say you'd be surprised at how much trash collects on Vancouver's shorelines. A lot of cigarette butts, plastics that our animals are consuming, um, whether that's our land animals or marine animals that it's getting washed into the shorelines. So it's having an extremely uh, negative impact. As we know, microplastics are on the rise. Uh, so we're really here to try to be that first step and show the youth that that individual change can make a difference and clean up those shorelines to try to combat that before it gets into our oceans. The group says on average they collect about 20 pounds of trash each event, but expect to hit the 25-pound mark today. If you're looking for some family-friendly, spooktacular fun this Halloween, the Burnaby Village Museum has just what you're looking for. The Haunted Village in Burnaby continues this weekend. The over 10-acre property features everything from dance parties to circus performances and Indigenous storytelling. This is the last weekend to visit the village, and so far it hasn't disappointed. It's definitely months in the making. Um, a large team, or I guess a relatively small team, but lots of people involved with the creativity, thinking what people will enjoy, trying to make it a little bit different from years past, um, trying to get into the spirit of Halloween, um, and a really talented and artistic team that actually execute and put together all the displays, all the technical um, animations that happen, a programming team that put together lots of the entertainers and just thinking about the audience and what they might need. And so it's a big event lots of planning and lots of work but lots of fun the haunted village is open today and tomorrow from 5 p.m onwards coming up whitecaps in the playoffs we'll head to a sold out viewing party in vancouver 
as the Whitecaps take on LAFC in their first playoff game. Barry DeLay will have those highlights and more. Stay with us. Join the most ambitious health campaign in BC history. Help the BC Cancer Foundation in raising $500 million to bring world-leading cancer care close to home for every British Columbian. Let your taste buds run wild at Cornucopia, Whistler's annual fall festival of food and drink. With over 100 events for festival goers, including tastings, culinary demonstrations, winemaking dinners, and more. For RBC, I'm Yvonne Schell. In partnership with Destination BC, skies are clear and Thompson Okanagan communities are ready to welcome you. There's no better way to help BC than by exploring BC. A sold-out viewing party in downtown Vancouver for tonight's Whitecaps playoff game. Whitecaps fans packing themselves inside Greta Bar to watch Vancouver in their first MLS playoff match since 2021. The Caps are in Los Angeles taking on LAFC in the first game of a best of three. Regardless of today's outcome, Vancouver is guaranteed a home playoff game this year at BC Place, which goes next Sunday. So, Barry, I actually don't know the score, but they're cheering, so I wonder yeah. if they're doing okay. Well, Whitecaps fans are good at two things, singing <laughs> and drinking beer. So you can always cheer your beer or you can cry in yeah. it depending on what happens i think they've done a little bit of both so far it's been still a early game yeah thanks krista the white caps are on the pitch right now in la looking to get the jump in their best of three series versus lafc this is their fifth meeting of the season in all competitions so familiarity breeds contempt especially with so much on the line white caps did win 3-2 the last time they played in la back in june former white cap max crepeau stirring it up last weekend in vancouver when he was trash talking ryan gold before his penalty kicks. LAFC strike first off the corner kick. Ryan Hollingshead's header stopped by Takaoka, but Hollingshead scores on the rebound from a sharp angle right through Takaoka's legs. And it's 1-0 LAFC. But the White Caps respond. Andres Cubas, tremendous read to intercept the pass and then a perfect through ball for Brian White. And he takes on Max Crapeau and finishes beautifully. That will shut Max up a bit. That's a great response and a great goal by Brian White. He's done it all year. We're tied 1-1. That joy lasted for two minutes. Dennis Bowanga, the MLS Golden Boot winner, means he had the most goals this year, 20. Well, he shows you why. A brilliant goal here to restore the LAFC lead to two to one, but the Whitecaps show their resilience one more time. Ryan Gauld drew the free kick, then took the free kick perfectly. Sam Atakubi with the angle header to the corner, and the Whitecaps showing some character. Two two in a wild first half. Second half, LAFC with the corner kick, and the Whitecaps continue to have problems defending the set pieces. Chaos in the box. Ryan Hollingshead puts away his second of the match. And LAFC back on top, 3-2, to two, and then on yet another free kick. This is becoming a problem. Dennis Boanga with a running start, fires it through traffic, may have taken a deflection. He's got two, LAFC lead by two, still about 20 minutes to go in the second half. 
The Canucks are back at it tonight at Rogers Arena, taking on the New York Rangers. After shutting out the Blues 5-0 last night, Vancouver's only played twice at home this year, but they have walloped the opposition by a combined score of 13-1. Thatcher Demko had the shutout last night. Casey DeSmith starts tonight. The Canucks' core group have certainly led the way so far. Hughes, Miller, and Pedersen all off to productive starts. Brock Besser used to be mentioned in that group, and he's making a bid to get back in that conversation. Besser is off to a blazing start, six goals in seven games. He struggled the past few years dealing with the illness and death of his dad, but is back finding joy in hockey, and the results are proof of that. There as well, JT Miller bouncing on it, finds Besser the shot, and he scores! There's nothing like popping home four goals in the season opener to change the vibe of the last few years for Brock Besser. The smile is back on his face, the quick release into the top corner is back in his game, and it's happy times again for the Canucks' first round pick from 2015. It's great. Um, just. Uh, you know, I think just playing the right way and getting those spots and uh, our line. Uh, we like to play predictable hockey and know where each other go and work hard and create turnovers. And um, it's definitely nice to, to get a few from the slot. All right, so Besser can hardly contain his enthusiasm. He makes Bill Belichick sound excited. But don't let that fool you. For the first time in years, he's feeling more like himself. And the root of his more engaged play has nothing to do with goal scoring. Obviously happy for him, but to be honest with you, it doesn't even matter if those go in or not right now. They're nice for him and the confidence for scoring, but the way he's playing the game, he's at another level than he's ever been, I think, in my opinion. In a sense of being a grindier, harder to play against type of guy um, that he's really worked on, and he's getting rewarded on the score sheet. Stolen behind the goal. Tony in front, Besser scores! Just Brock Besser's scoring is good for business for the Canucks. He's a well-liked teammate, and Besser's success makes everyone happy. To see Bess uh, along that trajectory is, is great to see. He's a great person. Um, you know, been through a lot the last couple of years, and uh, it's it's amazing to see as a, as a friend and teammate. I think when you win, you're happier, and um, you know, everyone's talked about our start last year compared to this year, and it's already much better. And um, you know, that was the whole goal, I think. And um, anytime you win and you can score and help help produce for the team, it's 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 a good day. But um, I think just the most important thing is our team's playing a lot better hockey right now. Everything going right for Bressler. It is Brocktober. All right, sold-out crowd of uh, 20,000 in Montreal to watch the great Christine Sinclair play for Canada against Brazil. 328th cap for Canada, 50th on Canadian soil. Sinclair coming on as a sub in the 67th, but Brazil spoiled the party. Deborah Cristiana Oliveira scored in stoppage time. 1-0 Brazil wins. Sinclair has three more games on her farewell tour before retiring from international soccer, including December 1st in Victoria and the final one December 5th at BC Place. Rugby World Cup final from France, defending champ South Africa versus New Zealand. Opening half, All Blacks captain Sam Kane with the high tackle, head contact, didn't bend to make the tackle, and it's reviewed, and it's a red card. So New Zealand down to 14 men the rest of the way. South Africa got all its points off the foot of Andre Pollard. 12-3, Springboks at the half. All Blacks pressed hard. Finally, it's Bowden Barrett who gets in for the try, but they missed the conversion and also missed another penalty kick later on, and that was costly. South Africa win 12-11, their third straight one-point victory in the playoffs at the World Cup. Springboks World Cup champs. 
for a second straight time. Tennis from Basel, Switzerland, semifinal Swiss indoor. Canada's Felix Ojealiasim taking on Denmark's Holger Rune. Felix has had a bad year, frankly, but is playing his best tennis over the past few weeks. Forehand winner there, helped him win the opening set 6-3. Second set, boy, does he craft this point beautifully. As Runa on the run, another big forehand winner for Felix, and he wins easily 6-3, 6-2. He'll meet Poland's Hubert Hrkacz in tomorrow's final. Felix won this tournament, the Swiss Indoor, last year. NBA tonight, Nick Nurse returning to Toronto as the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Nice warm ovation for the, from the Raptor faithful for the guy who led them to the 2019 championship. First quarter, Pascal Siakam with the three. Toronto's outside shooting still an issue. If they can hit a few more of those consistently, they can be a playoff team, but the Raps go in a cold spell like they often do. 21-5 run to start the third. Tyrese Maxey with the three. Raptors new coach Darko Ryakovich gets a technical for arguing. Hey, he wants some attention too in this one. Right now the uh, Raptors are losing 104-95 in the fourth. Game two of the World Series from Arlington, Texas. Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks. D-Blacks, uh, D-Backs blew a two-run ninth inning lead in game one last night and lost in extra innings. Former Blue Jay Gabriel Marino, solo homer. Boy, that's a trade Jays fans are regretting right now. It's 2-1 Arizona right now. They are in the fifth. The BC Sports Hall of Fame class of 2024 was inducted this past week, and one of those was my colleague Don Taylor, who is the star of Sports Page for many years. Donnie brings the uh, everyman vibe to his shows, and it's why he's been so popular with the viewers for the past 40 years. Tonight on Sports Page, the playoffs begin, and the Canucks and Flames stage a thriller. Uh, you know, it's a cliche line, but I'm a kid from North Burnaby. I don't, I honestly, I, I don't believe it. It's, uh, it's been a long, long run. I've been 40 years in this market, and I look back to, you know, speaking of North Burnaby, playing hockey, ball hockey and lacrosse at Confederation Park, and uh, a li a living and growing up with a crazy sports family, and to be here is it's really an honor. Super Bowl highlights, Bud Bowl highlights, all the action from three games in the National Hockey League. I started a sports page in my early 20s, and before that, I should acknowledge that I was up in Dawson Creek, which is, last time I checked, part of BC, and that was a, that was a big deal. Went on to Red Deer from there. Come to a sports page in my early 20s. No, I never thought BC Sports Hall of Fame. We're just doing what we did um, and, and loving it every single day. No, no idea that would lead to an induction into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Not, not a chance. We just having fun, and I think uh, that's one thing that uh, has helped me is that uh, a long time ago somebody told me, "Hey, it's guys chasing a puck. It's guys trying to get a ball over a goal line. Have, have fun with it." And so I've, I've tried to do that, and I, I guess it's paid off. And he knows every Canucks jersey yeah. number of every guy who's ever played for the team. So good on Donnie. Squires next. Maybe yeah. in a few years. We'll see. So well deserved. That was great to see. Thanks. Thanks, mm -hmm. Barry. Well, still ahead, a Canadian university now home to a rare collection of French philosopher Voltaire's manuscripts. We'll have that generous donation next. Is one of the most influential philosophers of all time, more widely known for his pen name Voltaire. Now Canadians can get up close and personal with a rare collection of manuscript, manuscripts calling McGill University home. Gloria Enriquez reports. 
So we always have the keys to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom of Voltaire's inner musings, plastered on paper by his own hand, such as this letter to the king of Prussia telling him how sick he had been. Voltaire was a popular and busy man who wrote to a lot of people. He had 1,800 correspondence. Some of that correspondence was with women, leaving marks of lovers' quarrels. She actually ended up obliterating contents by Voltaire. Oh, what did he do to her? Some of the philosopher's stuff was so controversial it was banned, but he still found a way to spread his word clandestinely by binding forbidden text inside books that were allowed to circulate. Undescriptive of printing and publisher information. Many of these letters were written at his chateau in Fernie, France, near the border of Switzerland, which he was able to purchase after winning the Paris lottery. He actually was writing feverishly at this moment. Years later, the documents found in the chateau were handed to the new owners with a Canadian connection, McGill professor Peter Lambert David Southam's family. Four generations safeguarded the documents, and this man convinced him to let them go. And it's wonderful because, of course, he could have sold this. Now McGill holds one of the greatest research collections of Voltaire's books and manuscripts anywhere in the world, and phones are ringing off the hook with interest. That creates again an opportunity, and we've had this with other collections, not only to have people come here to look at things, but then to meet each other and to bring research researchers together. Researchers and curious folk of all kinds are able to see Voltaire's body of work and McGill's library. We're literally a handshake away from Voltaire. Who you can meet through nearly 300 manuscripts and 1,500 pages of text and become a little enlightened by one of history's most important philosophers. As Voltaire would sign off, your most humble and most obeying servant, Gloria Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. Just some light reading there at McGill University, right? Right. For you cultured folk, you get that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little rough around the edges. <laughs> we can start with Voltaire's <laughs> <laughs> manuscripts. Um, Halloween uh, upcoming, what's it looking like? Halloween forecast is fantastic. It's going to be a little chilly, especially into your morning tomorrow and the next day. But by Tuesday, a little bit milder for the evening hours, but dry. So clear and dry for the next stretch as we say goodbye to October and then the rain's here for November. As long as you don't have to throw the jacket over your costume. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's good. That ruins no the whole right. look, right? But safety first. Thanks so much for watching. Have a good night.